and we are live today with living the guide life this week got some fun stuff going on gonna be uh turkey hunting up in the north woods try to shoot my grandpa turkey as well as fishing opener starts this upcoming weekend so i'll be up near the brainerd area trying to do some uh walleye fishing try to catch some dinner maybe a little crappie fishing you never know um to see what's around there and see what's biting so good go give that a uh, check ah big yawn and uh go see what's happening up there so should be fun can't complain um gonna be up there for the next few weeks doing some work and doing a lot of fishing so that'll be fun um but today's episode is brought to you by Chasing File Outfitters. Make sure to check us out. Instagram, Facebook, DM me, shoot me a call. Would love to chat with you. Would love to get to know you, hear more about you. And uh, let us know what you want to hear. So just reach out. Doesn't hurt. And uh, I'll chat with you on that aspect. But we are also brought to you by bourbon media and i'm going to give them a few seconds to uh kind of just go over what they're looking for if you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry we get it the words digital marketing can be intimidating you're a grunt work sweat it out bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business we at bourbon media can help you push it even further We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. And that wraps things up for Bourbon Media. Uh... Great, great deal going on. Uh, new website designs rolling in, content creation, all the above um, with them. Some really fun, neat stuff going to be happening here. And we're excited for you guys to see it. But I'd love it if you guys also checked out Apple Podcasts review and dropped a review. Always looking to see how I can fix up things or what you guys like and uh, what you guys don't like. Kind of, I want to hear it all. So shoot me a review on there and uh, let me know on how everything's going. And then as well as make sure to join our private Facebook group, as well as all social media aspects to keep up to date with the podcast. A lot of fun things coming up that uh, you're not going to want to miss, and it's going to be really cool to uh, portray it on all social media platforms. So we have Corey Loeffler on today from DRC. And we dig into everything from the Sitka Bibs, our trip in South Dakota. We go over a little bit. Um, also, we just talk about DRC, how he lives lives off the land, some of the projects they have coming for DRC, the internship they got going on this summer, um, as well as we dig into some of the caribou hunting he's done and some of the trips that he likes. <sighs> Oh, gosh. He likes to make. And uh, 
it's just really fun to catch up because it's been a couple months since I've seen him. So it was fun to chat, and I hope you guys really enjoy. I'm good. Real good. Just yeah. finishing up the smoke. Oh, I heard that. <laughs> These are... Uh, not I just about done. Not available in the United States anymore. Got what this are? one up from Canada. No kidding. That's a candy smoke. That's <laughs> before your time. They probably outlawed them before you were buying candy <laughs> smokes from the gas station. Oh, they still sell them in Canada, though. Uh, my daughter's drag. My daughter was dragging around a pack this morning. She, I think she's she's down by six, seven of them today already. So <laughs> I thought I curbed the addiction, but oh boy, I saw that pack. I couldn't resist. I had to grab one. You can't, not at all. We used to, yeah. Um, this the like little, what are they called? The like little um, sweets or whatever, and you like crush them up, and then you'd be able to blow the powder out during school. We used to do that all the time. <laughs> oh no, we had full on smokes, full on. Uh, but dude, yeah, how's the how's the call shop been? How's everything with calling? Good. Yeah. Uh, the last year COVID was absolutely why COVID made the outdoor industry and market go completely wild. So I was swamped with orders all last fall. I pretty much uh, would do a little bit of traveling and come home and just be swamped with orders. So got orders out the door so I could go traveling again. And it was just back and forth like that. And now this spring, finally, things have slowed down just a little bit. So um, we'll be able to get underway with some, some big projects that we've had planned for a while. I just haven't had time to get them done. So. Absolutely. And you got a possible internship as well that you're looking to get people a part of. What's yeah, we just had we just ex- accepted a bunch of applications for an internship. We're looking for a couple, couple people, guys, gals, whatever. To, uh, we've, we have narrowed down the applications uh, to a, a pretty solid stack right now. We're just kind of going through some of the final processes with that, but I think it'll be fun. Um, I've, you know, I've got a lot to offer here as far as knowledge in a wide variety of different skills and fields and applications. So I think we'll have a blast. I'm, I'm just, uh, just trying to narrow it down to the two best candidates that are going to work well together and that, that, you know, really have a passion for creating something or diving into something in the outdoor market and outdoor industry. So, yeah, absolutely. That'll be, be a lot of fun get to learn a little bit about uh stewarding of the land as well uh, yeah we'll do some we'll do a bunch of gardening out there absolutely uh, uh, we had hoped to start putting some plants in the garden but man it i think it got down to like 27 degrees again last night so really? it's just cold this dang winter's just got uh got a grasp on us and just won't leave us alone so yeah we had a uh, we'll nice- get them in there yeah, we had a nice few days, and then it just kind of went back to colder weather down where we're at, at least. Too. Right. Like, we had yeah, 85 degree days. Yeah, 85 degrees on Saturday when we were chasing turkeys, and yeah. now 27. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. 
oh, not ideal for the plants, but that'll happen. And then, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Got uh, got turkey season wrapped up for me, but I know you're still running around a little bit. I was. Yeah, I just just picked up a license for myself yesterday. Oh, really? So I've um, got a few a few gobblers spotted and um, saw a pack of thirty five of them running together last night. Oh, wow. Couldn't believe it. I, I mean, it's late in the season for that many turkeys to be running together. So, yeah. um, a few nice strutters in there. I'll probably try get in a little bit closer to them today, sometime later on this afternoon, and see if I can't seal the deal. But um, yeah, we've had a blast turkey hunting. Just kind of stuck around home for the most part. I've got a bunch of kids out, a bunch of uh, people that have never shot birds or haven't shot a bird in a long time got them out got birds in front of them and we've got a whole bunch of gobblers on the ground already and awesome. uh, it's honestly been a little bit tougher this year because license sales have been up so much hunting pressure has been wild last year sparked a huge influx and increase in turkey hunters all across the country yeah. um, just because of the stay at home covid democrat bullshit yeah. that we've been yeah. doing dealing with um so it's been good for the outdoor industry and you know there's a little bit of a silver lining in that other than destroying the economy but um in the process we've destroyed a lot of turkeys too so that works out you know good good sandwich meat yeah you'll love it yeah i'm uh throwing mine in the crock pot i took off the legs and i'm just gonna kind of do a little pulled turkey or whatnot with that oh man uh so I didn't do it myself. Kelsey did it. Uh, my wife the other yeah. night went, um, made, she made a stew in the Instapot. Uh, so, you know, Instapot, same thing as a crock pot, just yeah. a little bit faster, but, uh, man, she made a stew. There's some potatoes and carrots in there mm. with a, a bit of a roux gravy. And then she used all the dark meat from the thighs and the yeah. legs. And it was unbelievable. I mean, just phenomenal. I wouldn't probably put the the white breast meat in there i would think no, that yeah. that's a perfect application for that dark meat but mm, yeah damn good stuff yeah i've been looking what have at you that. done with yours i was so i'm gonna put it in like a cream of mushroom soup and then mm-hmm. put in like potatoes carrots celery um and then a bunch of just different seasonings and stuff and then kind of just let it fall apart in the crock pot mm-hmm. and then eat it from there because that's what yeah I'm perfect looking to do and then for the white meat probably i don't know last year i deep fried it which was pretty good but i I maybe Mm -hmm. try and try to do something else i mean what do you do with your white meat um the white meat let's see uh the heck did i do with that last stuff um oh let's see can you could do i mean it's chicken you know or pheasant so it's like whatever my all-time favorite I always is pot pie, freaking mm. dynamite. Yeah. I mean, that's like a delicious <laughs> stew with an awesome pie crust. Like you just can't beat that. So, yeah. um, I love pheasant. I love pheasant and snow goose pot pie. So turkey pot pie ranks right up there. Same yeah. as those. Uh, but I mean, the sky's the limit when you're talking with that, it, you know, it's lean chicken. So you can dice it up into bite-sized chunks, and then roll it in what I would do, like if you're doing like a boneless wing um, or something, or if you want to, I don't know if you want to edit this out or whatever, but I mean, a lot of people would call them bitch nuggets, if yeah. you will. So <laughs> boneless wings, but you can chop those up and then roll them. What I do is I pat them dry, roll them in a, roll them in a flour, 
and then an egg and then uh, panko. It works okay. really good. And um, so then you've got your, your breading on the outside of those nuggets uh, or those, those, those bites and then deep fry those and roll them in whatever sauce you want to roll them in, you know, a Buffalo sauce or, yeah. you know, go as hot as you want to. But uh, uh, so that's super versatile. Otherwise, you know, if you want to go, if you kind of want to get basic with it back to the basic bacon, um, yeah. I would wrap them in, I would wrap them in some bacon, like those, those little bites, I'd wrap them in some bacon because that's going to add your fat. So yeah. the stuff is just super lean and very dry meat. So um, you're going to want to add some fat to it in however you can, but um, adding a bacon to it and then a uh, like water chestnut in there with a toothpick and a jalapeno. I mean, those things are dynamite drizzle them with some sweet and hot barbecue sauce, uh, season them up with, with whatever, a lot of that, uh, musket powder, um, the Brown musket powder would be awesome on yeah. that. If you've never tried any musket powder seasoning, um, let's see, we did some Turkey wraps like last weekend at the Turkey shack and, those were, uh, those were, they were tough. They were pretty dry and fairly tough, but the application, we, we, we did probably the worst thing that you could do to a turkey breast. So, I mean, I didn't have high expectations for how, how tender and how moist the meat was going to be, but they're still awesome flavor. But, you know, we just pulled it right off of the bird was dead. We pulled it right off the bird. I sliced it thin. I fry it pretty hot on the flat top. And that's just a, basically it's a disaster for if you're trying to make it really, really good. We didn't age it. We, uh, you know, it would have been better if we'd aged that meat on the bone. Uh, it would have been better if we cooked it slower with yeah. more moisture, but no, we just cooked it hot and fast right off the bone. <laughs> It, we were at we were we were just living, man. It was that turkey camp. We were just surviving, so we didn't care. Oh, absolutely! But uh, uh, you bet. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you're one to age age like game animals. And we were out snow goose hunting. You had that snow goose age out there for a while. That turned out well, though. Yeah, people think I'm pretty crazy for doing a lot of that stuff, but um, aging aging any meat is going to improve the texture, the texture for the most part and somewhat the flavor too. But, um, you can age any red meat, you can age any pork, poultry, whatever. If you have the right conditions, you're, I mean, you're way better off aging that stuff. You know, if you go to a fancy steakhouse and they're serving beef steak, uh, on the menu, it'll probably tell you how long your beef steak's been aged. And they all brag about that age, 21 days, age 30, some days, whatever. So when we go out and shoot a bunch of, shoot a mess of snow geese or something like that. And, and, uh, those birds are still, they're, they're fresh. They're still pliable. And we're ripping the breast meat right off of the breasts and, you know, throwing them in a cooler or something. Um, it's, probably like the worst thing that you could do for that meat because it doesn't get a chance to go through rigor mortis on the bone, which is what you want to help tenderization. Rigor mortis is basically just the, all of the, all of the energy that's stored in the muscles kind of expelling itself. So right when you shoot, uh, let's say a, a snow goose, right when you shoot it, it's pliable and floppy 
Yeah. And then you let it sit there for a little while and then it gets stiff. Like if the wings are tucked in, you got to really stretch the wings to pull the wings apart. So that's the bird going through rigor mortis. And then after the rigor mortis has, has sets in and, and is done and then the bird will be pliable again because all that energy is leaving. So if you can get the bird to go through rigor mortis, um, while it's aging, I don't know the exact time frame on that, but for the most part, any wild game, whether it's snow geese or white-tailed deer or um, venison stuff, if you can hang it and dry age it on the bone for right around seven days, if you have the conditions that'll that'll uh, allow that, that's going to be your absolute best table fare right there. And it'll be a hands down noticeable difference between that and something that was filleted up and yeah. cooked fresh right after you killed it. I mean, it, it just, um, the one thing you got to, one side note to that kind of an asterisk behind it. One thing you have to watch out with waterfowl is if BBs have ran through the breast meat. So mm. again, like I always preach, uh, know your lead and know what you're shooting, know what your, your pattern, what you're shooting, shoot smaller shot size and shoot them in the head. Like know, know where you're shooting so that you can pull out in front of the bird, another 18 inches or so shoot them in the head. You're going to save all that breast meat. You're not going to be chewing on BBs all the time. Um, it's just so common for people to body shoot honkers especially body oh, shooting yeah. ducks and and geese and uh you're just filling you're just wrecking a whole bunch of meat filling it all full of bbs and um it's it's a lot faster and a lot cleaner and a lot more tasty if you shoot them in the head so yeah. i would recommend doing that if you're poking bb holes through the meat and the uh, like the breast meat and then you go to age that the bloodshot meat is going to turn rancid and nasty a lot faster or pretty soon and so then when you age that it's kind of like one bad apple spoils the whole batch type of mentality like one bb hole that it's gonna it's gonna rot right where that bb hole is and then it's gonna kind of spread out throughout the breast meat and that kind of funky flavor is gonna infect that whole that whole breast and it's just not pleasurable so you want a nice clean bird and really kind of clean out those bb tracks that are going through the breast and it'll offer up a lot better culinary experience yeah no doubt um yeah just kind of wanted to go back last i mean last year it was so warm for deer opener we couldn't even hang mm -hmm. on deer last year yeah that's that's tough need a cooler of some sort or controlled yeah. climate you know if you want to if you want to hang those deer and that's that's huge i think yeah, we pretty much live off of that over here, uh, any type of wild game. So I try to take as best care of it as I can because I'm cooking for four girls. So <laughs> difficulty level ha is elevated. We'll say that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we usually try to hang them, but like when it's so warm, like what do you do for that kind of scenario? Because I mean, it was like 70 degrees out when we were yeah um i keep an eye on them and yeah. i will you know i've got a cold storage here so i'll mm. open the doors at night and then i'll close the doors during the day and then you just keep an eye on them like a deer a deer will kind of tell you when it's ready to be butchered up you'll start 
the, the deer will start to form a little bit of white mold on the inside of the rib cage. And that white mold's totally fine to eat. It does, it's not wrecking anything. Black mold, <laughs> not totally different story. Not good. <laughs> but the white mold is no big deal. Um, you can eat meat with that white mold on it. It's, it just like penicillin. So not a big yeah. deal. Um, so that's kind of the telltale. As soon as you start to see that white mold on the inside of the rib cage, say of a white tail, you just have to, I mean, it, it might be two days after you shot the animal, you know, you just gotta, you gotta butcher it. Cause it's, it's about ready. And that's yeah. all the aging that you're going to get out of it. Um, but the, uh, the closer you can keep that animal to say 37 degrees, the longer you're going to have before that mold is present and the more aging that you're going to get out of it. A lot of the beef that's hung for a long time, you know, 20, 30, 40 days, that'll be kept in 30, yeah, 36, 37 degrees. And a bunch of that mold forms on the animal, but um, you're just trying to limit the amount of exposure to bacteria as yeah. you can try to keep the animal as clean as possible. That will prevent the, the, the spoilage from happening. And, you know, this goes for all wild game. So yeah. turkeys, um, hang birds by the head and then hang your deer probably by the back legs. Yeah. Try not get any of that. Try not to rupture or break any of the guts while you're pulling the, the, while you're gutting the animal and try not to for sure don't get any of those juices on the meat itself that's all bad bacteria and it's just going to duplicate uh super fast on the surface of that meat and um so that should you know hopefully help someone out out there that's that's listening in and yeah. uh, can experience some a little bit better better table fare with that that wild game Absolutely. the good stuff the good stuff and you're the best yeah. at it i mean <laughs> I wouldn't say that about but, that dude. it's something else I, i'm i'm not the best i'm far from the best but <laughs> i try and that's what i live off of that's what i eat so um yeah if you want to eat good food you gotta get you gotta know what the heck you're doing a little bit and try to get good at it so um i try to learn as much as i can absolutely and then for the people that kind of haven't heard your backstory of how you got into the hunting industry how did that all come about uh, I guess, I mean, I grew up basically as a townie in Thief River Falls, just riding my bike around town, just playing sports and whatever. Uh, I was introduced to, to hunting basically through my family on my mom's side, my uncles and my grandpa and cousins, uh, you know, mostly just deer hunting. And then it, things got quite a bit more serious than that. I was in I was playing sports, hockey and football in middle school. And then just about into high school, broke a, broke my hip in a car accident. So that mm. kind of ended that stuff. And then I just, um, was so, you know, hockey up here in the, in the tundra, uh, in <laughs> Northern Minnesota, hockey's so intense and yeah. you practice so much. So I was so used to being busy, 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 busy all the time with school and then hockey every night and hockey all weekend and everything. So then when hockey quit, I picked up a bow and arrow and I started shooting archery and I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Like I had to do something after class. I wasn't a gamer, um, not into Xbox, Nintendo garbage. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I picked up a bow and arrow, started shooting that and you know, one thing led to another and then archery hunting. And, uh, and then I started waterfowl hunting and 
calling and duck and goose calling contest because hunting was the only part of hunting that I hated was that it was only like, you know, about three months out of the year. So what the heck am I going to do these other nine months? So then that's when I started picking up a goose call and, and really uh, going to hell on practicing and trying to compete in goose calling contests. And um, I just kind of fell in love with that aspect of it because it kind of extended the hunting season. And so I was able to kind of still live that, that waterfowl life while there was no season to, to be had, but I was still um, actively trying to get better, blowing a goose call and a duck call a little bit, but uh, duck calls are annoying. So I don't, yeah. I don't blow a competition duck call. That's why I like goose calling. Um, I like shooting geese. That's how I cut my teeth in the, in the waterfowl world, uh, chasing big honkers up here in Northern Minnesota. But yeah. um yeah, so it was that and uh, contest calling stuff. And then that led right into, I couldn't find a call on the market. I like, this is back in 03, 04, 05, 06, 07. And I couldn't find a call on the market that fit everything I was looking for in a call. Like some had this and some had that, but there I couldn't find the complete package out there. So I just said, hell with it. I'm just going to go and designed my own and kind of did it for personal use. And then one thing led to another and turned it into a business and uh, jumped in head first there, sank my whole life savings, everything I'd saved up into um, the equipment and everything that was needed to, to get the call company off the ground and um, did that. Right of, kind of right out of college, about a year or so after college. And then that was, I don't know what the hell, 14 years ago or something like that. So I've just been giving her hell ever since. Absolutely. But yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's the way to do it. I mean, find out what you need in the outdoor industry and then they don't have it. Might as well make it. Yeah. That's what, that's what it was. I'm pretty, uh, I'm, I'm pretty handy when it yeah. comes to mechanical engineering, I'll, if, if there's a way I'll figure it out, God damn yep. it, I'll figure it out. So if the women don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. Uh, Red green said that. And I, re- I really took it to heart. So, Well, if somebody shoots your radiator in a four in the four wheeler, you're, you're dialed in. Yeah. And that was lead shot. We found that out. So, we know who did that. It wasn't my yep. four-wheeler that got yep. shot, but I was lead investigator. Um, <laughs> we it figured was not, out. We thought, it, we, we thought maybe it was copper-plated boss business. Yep. Upon further investigation, it was copper-plated lead yep. number fives, I believe, or sixes. I can't remember. But think, um, yeah. so we know we know who you are and we know you shot the four wheeler <laughs> look out That's all i have to say we're, about we're that coming for you uh, <laughs> not, not me but <laughs> someone else might be yeah uh, uh yeah dude and then you were you were out there for quite a long while after i left how was that running and gunning for snows yeah uh yeah so south dakota uh south dakota snow goose season kind of the the um the main migrating push of birds uh was it, it was goofy i i never yeah. seen a spring like that out there i've chased birds out there um, a lot i don't know how many years now but uh it just like 
nothing would stick around and set up a feed almost anywhere. So it was just hunting migrators all day, every day, and setting spreads that were on big hilltops and yeah. hiding as best you could. Um, so numbers were kind of all over the board. Some days good and some days were horrible. If you didn't have a flight over your field and didn't see any birds, then well, you ain't going to kill much. Uh, but we we made the best of it. It was just such a goofy goofy year, really, really cold, and then really, really warm and dry. So it just all of a sudden hit and birds were birds were gone. And we were hearing reports of birds in in up into Saskatchewan and we were hearing reports of birds in Missouri. So yeah. it's like, well, what the heck, where are they? You know, they just kind of, they was pretty well spread out and a shitload of them went through Minnesota this year. Guys over yeah. in Minnesota hunting them were doing really good. <laughs> they, they were like, they were seeing more birds than we were in <laughs> South Dakota half the time. It's like, well, you don't see that every year, but no, not at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, God, crazy. it was, it was cold though when we were out there. I mean, when I was out there, it was it was chilly. Yeah, yeah, it was chilly, um, dry, definitely dry, yeah. and I think that was the biggest factor with with most all of it. So, yeah, because yeah, mean, we had some. Had you some could fun. drive into like a lot of spots where it's not like super muddy. I mean, I feel yeah. Like I mean, that's un, that's unheard of. Yeah, right. Uh, to chase spring snows and drive a pickup and a trailer out into a field. <laughs> When does that happen? You know, once every 12 years or something. So, yeah. Were you able to use the big trailer out there? Uh, Blind? No, never did. Never did? Drove it down there. Nope. No trailer blind this year. Uh, Just couldn't find the perfect spot for it. That was in enough cover and dry enough. So, yeah, it's kind of more of a fall thing or... uh, it probably just needed to drag it out there with a, a wheeler with tracks on it or something like that. And, um, no. just didn't have the spot for it. So whatever, yeah. no I big feel. deal. Well, right on. Yeah. Today's the last day to put in for a bear tag in Minnesota as well. I saw. Oh, really? You, I didn't need, yeah. Do you didn't know that we're, uh, yeah, I have in the past, we're in no quota area over here uh, around my house so if i want to shoot one it's just and i'm i might I, I don't care about shooting them but i might bait for them if i if i find some time yeah. i have a bunch of friends that want to shoot bears i don't i've shot a couple two three four something with my bow and arrow and it doesn't do anything for me so yeah. i'm over it but you know if someone i, I like baiting and checking yeah. trail cameras and stuff more than shooting them but if someone wanted to sh- wanted to hunt one one of my buddies yeah i could find myself setting up a a bear bait but the the population is expanding or their areas are increasing or whatever but oh my gosh we see so many more bears now around where i live compared to 10 20 years ago it's unreal how many bears are over here i never thought that i would hunt bears on my uncle's land like you know land that i deer hunt on um to see a bear over in that country is extremely rare. And now, yeah, there's, there's bears cruising through there all the time. So if I was going to set up a bait. It would just be on, on family ground and never, never thought I would see that in my life, but we're here. So we'll do it. Yeah. There's Absolutely. some giants over there. One three-legged one seen him two years in a row. He's missing a back leg. Really? Um, and gets along pretty good. Can't walk where the shit, but he can run really <laughs> fast. And then, uh, Oh, there was one 
gosh. She had something like four or five cubs. And I think this was last spring, little ones. She just gave birth to them. Um, so, uh, but I don't know if anyone's seen her around anymore. I don't know if she adopted those cubs or if she gave birth to all of them. I mean, that's kind of unheard of, but yeah. yeah, we have some cell phone video of her running across the road, followed, I, I want to say it was four or five different cubs right in tow and they were all the same size. So, wow. Yeah, that was, that was one or two years ago, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, but, even, even like where we, my grandparents live over in the Brainerd area, like the amount of mm-hmm. bears you start to see now, compared yeah. to like when we started going up there. I mean, mm-hmm. last year I was seeing quite a few on the way to work with my grandpa or whatever it was. was wow. Like, yeah. Yeah. It just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. Their areas, territories, they're expanding and they put on some crazy amount of miles too. I mean, yeah. Those tracked bears. I mean, it's nothing for a bear to just get up and walk 25 miles in a night, you know, yeah. complete darkness, follow a river, whatever it is. And yeah, just go, go for a cruise. Yeah. I mean, but, how like quiet and like, they just hang out and don't even care if like you're there. I mean, we used to bait up near like Cloquet. And yeah. like mm-hmm. we go bait and then like 20 minutes later, you'd get on the trail camera of like a bear being there. Yeah. Could oh just yeah. That's watching us the entire time. <laughs> yeah. That, that four wheeler, whatever you guys were baiting on, that's like the dinner bell. You just do it the same exact way every single time so that they're just hanging out in the bush right next to you. They listen to every footstep. They listen to all your buckets and the car doors shut and yeah. then you drive away and they sit for about 10 minutes and like mouth is water and they're drooling. Okay. Fresh baits here. Time to go. Time to chow down. Yeah. I mean the best, as far as bear hunting goes, I mean the best day, the best time to sit is to be the first person to sit at a, a bait or a new bait station yeah. and then go out to hunt super early when they go to bait and you'll go to bait and the hunter will go climb in the stand. The person baiting will leave. I mean, yeah, it's like clockwork. Yeah. But it's probably 50% of the time a barrel show up within 20 minutes and you you're tagged out guys, not even to the next bait yet. And yeah. <laughs> you uh, punch an arrow through one or something. So, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> you bet. It'd be exciting. I'm trying to trying to shoot a bear up in uh, Unit 99, so I think that's over. In oh wow, Cloquet area and stuff like that. That's where my buddy told me to put in because right. that's where they've been doing it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, should be good. And then, how's the dog training been lately? Have you been out? Uh good. Yeah, we've been out quite a bit here. Uh, the snow is gone, obviously, and water's mm-hmm. starting to warm up. So. We had a big weekend last weekend. We chased turkeys around and then people, uh, Brett Amundsen and, um, oh, let's see. Max Barta was going to come up. He's got another, a a puppy out of that litter. Um, Steve Nosbish, he was, he's got a, a male out of that litter. And uh, Lucas Carlos has a male out of that litter, but it was a litter that we put on the ground last year. And then those guys brought those puppies up. We did a turkey hunting dog training weekend and did a bunch of a bunch of that stuff. Those dogs are just shy of nine months old right now. So and then I had Rue and Bonnie out there as well. So we had five dogs. Um, So we turkey hunt, dog train, turkey hunt, dog train. 
eat supper, go to bed midnight, wake up at four, do it all over again. And we ran out of gas pretty quick last weekend. <laughs> a lot of walking, not a lot of sleeping. So, yeah. um, but it was, it was a great weekend. We had a bunch of fun, uh, got some really good dog training in, put some birds on the ground, some, yeah. some turkeys. And uh, so, yeah, I've been continuing on with that. Just kind of getting Bonnie and Rue, just giving them some good exercise and then doing some dog drills in the backyard, some tune-up stuff and kind of get them ready to run some hunt tests this spring. That's yeah. when I, I do that. I, Rue, Rue will probably run a couple um, tests in the HRC. Okay. But uh, Bonnie will run. She'll finish some stuff up in the AKC and maybe run in the HRC as well. Uh, but other than that, Boone's not running any tests anymore. He's done. He's, yeah. he's got all the titles that he needs. So he's just hanging out. Rue's got her master title. So I'll probably try and put a HRCH or hunting retriever champion title on her. And then Bonnie is got a couple passes towards a senior title. And so she'll need three more passes to accomplish that. And then we'll see how Bonnie's doing, but I think she could probably jump into some, um, probably jump into some master tests. Yeah. Maybe late summer, something like that. We'll see how she's doing, see how much time I have to put forth to it. But I like, um, I like doing that dog training, training my own dogs and running them in hunt tests, putting some titles on them and putting kick-ass litters on the ground and um, seeing that, that whole circle come together is pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the like drills that you're working on right now? Uh, right now, yesterday we were working on some whistle sit stuff, just crispening up those whistle sits. Um, let's see that like a simple Y drill in the backyard, which is kind of a version of a land T or a modified T. And then, uh, we're running some, what we'd call school blinds kind of cold blinds or school blinds on another chunk of ground through uh, some sort of difficult terrain like down through a swamp and up over a couple hills and uh, uh, between a hundred and 150 yards away on those. So just kind of crispening up some whistle sits, some hand signals, getting them to go through, fight through brush and um, pick some, straight lines to the blind versus picking the, the easy line up and around or something like that. You know, we always try to, we always try to push the dog on a straight line from point A to point B versus letting them go around a pond or go around a thick chunk of brush or something like that. Just like to keep them on a straight line. That's how you, that's how you pass hunt tests that way. It's not, doesn't really have too much of a hunting application, but hunting, training and hunt test training are pretty much two totally different things. Yeah. So we have hoops to jump through in the, <laughs> in the hunt test world. So that's what we do. That's what we train for. Absolutely. Do you guys ever bring puppies down to game fair? I mean, we, we have an, in the past if they're old enough to, mm. but we try not to bring puppies there. 
typically if we have puppies on the ground, we'll bring them there to meet people that are by or that have bought them and pick them up there. And then we have brought, Oh, we've sold some puppies there for other people. And I think we brought maybe four, three puppies from one of our litters one time. Um, let's see who are those. I know of the one puppy Silas, he got his master title last year. So that must, he must be about three years old. So that would have been probably three years ago that we did that. So Julia, Julia and Silas, I've kind of followed along with those guys. She um, took to dog training really well, kind of fell in love with it and has been, uh, she got hooked up with Tim and Lauren Springer, dynamic retrievers who I'm good friends with. And uh, yeah, she's, those two, that little, that, that team there has been really kicking butt. So That's she got awesome. a senior and master title put on that dog last year. So it's oh, been wow. fun to, been fun to watch. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Do you think uh game fair will be open this year? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now- game fair it's, it needs to be, needs to be one weekend. Yeah. We'll see what COVID garbage does and the regulations do. They follow the state fair, basically. So if the state fair is going to be open, game fair will be open. Um, But I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of over it being two weekends long. It just needs to be condensed down into one weekend. If it's four days or if it's just three days, I think there's definitely enough enough space on the grounds to get everyone through in one weekend that wants to go there. And, um, but no, it was kind of fun not having it last year. I mean, kind of a bummer not seeing people and friends, but it was kind of fun too, because I went up to Alaska and caught a whole bunch of salmon and stocked the freezer full of salmon that we're still eating now. Yeah. So no complaints here. That's awesome. Who'd you go up to Alaska with? All by myself. Really? That's intense. Yeah. Uh, I've got I've got a bunch of friends up there, so yeah. Was was pretty easy. I, yeah, I can imagine. Um I know I know my spots on the river, yeah. so <laughs> and you've done some caribou hunting up there too, haven't you? Oh yeah, up in the up on the tundra, up north of the Brooks Range by Prudhoe Bay. Yeah. Um Dead Horse kind of just south of there not too far but yeah in 2000 it's been a while 2014 2016 made a couple trips up there and that's a wild trip that's it's oh, unreal I, I mean that country's cool I'm, I'm just glad i got to see that part of the world it's so neat so yeah so wild desolate like i don't know no houses for 500 miles yeah or not not that far but 200 300 at least so oh, absolutely yeah no that'd be that'd be a sweet trip yeah you're you're definitely in a different mindset up there because we have this security blanket when we're hunting around home or we're sitting at our houses or at school whatever we're doing like yeah. 911 is just a phone call away and someone will come and with bandages and a needle and stitch you up and you know whatever it is um get you fixed up not a problem but uh up there if you want a snickers bar if you want a band-aid 
like tough shit. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't exist. <laughs> you can walk 400 miles that way and they'll get you your Snickers bar if you're hungry. So yeah. good luck. Uh, How do you guys get out so, there? Yeah. Is it just like a float plane or just take a boat? Uh, so there's one, there's one road, it's called the hall road. And it mm-hmm. is, uh, it is kind of like the, the lifeline of, of petroleum and supplies from Fairbanks to dead horse prudhoe mm-hmm. bay and that's where the oil rigs are at up there they're pumping oil from the slope and then the, the oil goes into a pipeline and then it goes to valdez valdez is the further valdez is the closest port that stays open and doesn't freeze 12 months out of the year so mm-hmm. the oil's piped down to valdez from up there and then the the road is basically the road parallels the pipeline for the most part and it's called the hall road because all the gear is hauled on that road so you can just drive the road it's just a really crappy gravel road that's i don't know 500 miles long or something and uh, you just camp alongside the road and mm-hmm. pitch a tent wherever it's all public ground all federal land basically to hunt up there so there's different regulations of hunting which side of the road you can hunt and it's in a five mile what would be a 10 mile wide archery corridor from either side of that road so if you start on that road you can only archery hunt five miles on either side of that road so whichever side you want to hunt on uh if you want to shoot a caribou with or wolf bear whatever with a rifle you can start there with a rifle but you have to walk five miles get five miles away from the road before you can shoot your rifle so wow that's how that that's how that hunt works i shot everything with bow and arrow up there Uh, one guy did shoot a grizzly bear with a rifle the one year and um he'd hiked out that day went hunting by himself and ran into a 13 year old sow grizzly bear and piled her up so we ate some of her back straps on and i'm just not not real keen on grizzly bear meat all that much yeah what does Don't it need to shoot anymore what's that like i mean i like i like um, black bear but i mean i don't know i don't know different strong yeah. and weird i guess it's tough to explain i you just had to shoot one <laughs> go find out <laughs> Oh, it's easy. And do just they do like walk around? Yeah, just go walk around, shoot one quick, and then hook <laughs> <took> it up. <laughs> All you got to do. But I was gonna say, so for the archery deal, like you can only go with five miles or whatever. Is that just because they don't want people shooting towards the road with rifles, or what's? Um, it's the pipeline. They don't want they don't want any rifles going off around the pipeline. They don't want you shooting holes in the pipeline. So they just said it's bow and arrow only on five miles either side of the pipeline, and then no bullets can puncture it. Yeah. So reduce oil spills and commotion ruckus. So makes for a pretty cool hunt because it's just all caribou getting chased around with bow and arrow, and yeah. quite a few people up there hunting off the hall road. Um, it's cool. That's, it's rugged. It's wild. Yeah. How far were you shooting your like caribou from with your bow? Uh, shot, shot one at 55 yards. I shot one at 38 yards. Oh, wow. I shot the first one at 
20, 20, 25 yards, pulled that on run, just piled it up. (laughs) Didn't, didn't know what hit him. He went 20, but (laughs) down the ravine lights out. Didn't break his horns off either. So that was good. No kidding. Is that a thing, like a big thing on they break their horns off if they go die down like that in the ravines? Oh, yeah. I mean, he like fell 15, fell off a 15 foot cliff onto a oh, wow. creek bottom, all rock, and just up over the snowbank into like died midair and hit the ground. So, yeah, I was kind of lucky that he didn't break either of his antlers off and in good shape. Just yeah. a little. Just a little uh, pre-butcher meat tenderization practice that I like to follow. <laughs> Strategic arrow placement. Yeah, it just makes it easier for you, makes it easier for everybody else. Uh, yep. I, I noticed they're doing like, or they were talking about like closing an area for caribou up there. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really close to where we hunted actually. Okay. Uh, units. Oh boy, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, no, it's kind of just the local i think it was the local native culture just bitching that they didn't want anyone else hunting grizzly bear or what was it moose and caribou in their area so it was just kind of to appease the the local natives the local population natives or something and um no i don't know it's it's all federal land so i definitely disagree with it it's federal land it should be should be wide open and fair game for for anyone but i can't remember how that turned out i followed along with it a little bit read up on it some and it's yeah definitely a hot topic yeah yeah no that because i sat on like sarah langbell's post and she was posting about it or something and then i was Mm -hmm. like yeah i've never really yeah Sam Soholt, Sam Soholt yeah. knows, yes. knows quite a bit about yeah. that. So. Sam, how's, uh, have you talked to him about his conservation shirt? That's that's a cool topic. I mean, that's a sweet thing that he's doing over there. Um, yeah, conservation. Conservation, conservation crossing. crossroads. Yeah. Crossing t-shirt uh, and, and program package. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. A membership, buy one T-shirt for 125 bucks and get five memberships into. I'll probably forget something, but uh, Delta Waterfowl was pheasants forever in there. Yeah, Mule Deer, Mule Deer Foundation, National Wild Turkey Federation. Yeah, and backcountry sure one elk. It was like backcountry back hunters or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yep. So that's cool. Cool deal. Definitely um, worthwhile. Yeah. program to check out it's one-stop shop pay the pay the price run the card once and all five membership benefits right there done deal automatically signed up yeah no doubt and then i kind of wanted to dig into more of the sitka whites and how those kind of all work together with what you do so how did uh yeah how did that affect your season with having those um it was it was a lot of fun you know the the production shoots uh, Sitka came here to my house and did some filming. And then we went on a hunt or two together, did a bunch more filming, did a, a bunch of photography stuff. And so I kind of was involved with watching um, the 
all of the marketing material get put together for a, a product, a yeah. pretty big product and a, and a really big launch. So it was, it was awesome to see everything kind of all aspects of it from start to finish and what all goes into a project like that. Uh, it, it was, it was fun. I'm glad I got to be a part of it and they thought I, they got a kick out of my story over here. Yeah. Just living on the tundra, uh, planting a big garden, shooting a bunch of stuff, living off yeah. the land and not letting stuff go to waste and, and utilizing vegetables, meat, game animals at, you know, making them the best that they can be and putting that stuff on the table for my family. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's kind of cool. They did the buttons on the bottoms instead of having the zipper go like all the way down and stuff like that. I thought that was a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. As far as design work on the whites, uh, man, I didn't run into any issues with them at all. Um, we didn't, like I said, it was dry in yeah. South Dakota, so it wasn't super muddy, but uh, let's in their traditional products say like the Pantano bibs or the hudson bibs they're gore-tex bibs so they're going to keep wind and water out and the zippers typically they'll, they'll have zippers on the sides of the legs that run the entire length of the garment or like your for an entire leg zipper and allows you to get the bibs on and off a lot easier and it's really convenient to have that zipper there yeah. uh, but the the and, and they're awesome quality zippers, um, but they're constructed with really super high tolerance so that you can't get wind or water through those zippers. So the, yeah. the zipper matches the quality and the performance of the garment. Well, when you pack those zippers plump full of mud, something's got to give in that combination because the zippers are are manufactured with such a high tolerance that inside that zipper pole, there's only room for the zipper teeth. Yeah. And that's it. Nothing. So when you add mud and you jam pack a bunch of mud into that, um, into that combination, it doesn't go good. So when guys get their zippers plump full of mud and then they're running those zippers up and down, something's got to give and something typically the zipper pole is just gonna, it's going to expand a little bit. And, uh, and something's going to fail there, basically, if you keep on abusing it in that way and misusing it that way. So, uh, you know, with, with other types of metal tooth zippers, they can handle some mud and grime in there, but they're far from waterproof, windproof. So it doesn't do you much good, uh, much good there. Um, but yeah, so Sitka kind of went ahead and um, just just try to eliminate that altogether, ran the zipper down to about your knee. And then created a storm flap over the zipper and over the button enclosure for the bibs. So the storm flap um, is going to shed as much mud as possible. But for the most part, it's just making a, a windproof, waterproof garment that has a zipper that matches that performance, windproof, waterproof, and keeping mud out of those zipper teeth as much as possible to increase the longevity of the garment and the performance as well while still maintaining an easy on easy off set of bibs. So yeah. um, they could make the things like a big, huge tube, a uh, straight leg, big tube where you could get your boots in them with no zippers at all. So there would be no zippers to fail, but yeah. um, you know, that's just, just not comfortable 
and not practical and um just a, a big huge be like wearing a set of mc hammer pants something yeah. like that while you're out you probably don't even know what that is <laughs> barely but i i have a vision a little bit <laughs> you can't touch this yeah <laughs> Have it hot. exactly yeah no I don't, that'd be a that'd be interesting way if they did like just one sleeve because that just wouldn't be comfortable I mean, uh yeah it's just There's products like it on the market that different yeah. ones but because i mean every time when i put my boots on in the morning or whatnot i always have them unzipped and then just zip them back up but to have them like i don't know i just be weird yeah right like, right right and after the after the release of the the whites we grabbed a whole bunch of sets of them and then took a road trip with brett amundsen yeah. to kansas and oklahoma and texas and back up to kansas and delivered a bunch of sets of whites to guides and outfitters along the way stopped in for a hunt for maybe one day well i mean like at falco it was three days they yeah. couldn't get rid of us over there they kicked <laughs> us out but <laughs> i was like i'll wash dishes i'll, yeah. I'll help uh, i'll clean your decoys and they're like no you got to get out of here so, no they, they didn't say that it was it was awesome just meeting meeting a whole bunch of guys that i've sold calls to over the years and yeah. uh getting the chance to hunt with them and kind of create that that friendship and, and kind of kick that off um we had way too much fun on that trip it was it was a good one. <laughs> oh yeah so. i mean all the guys that you guys stopped with are i mean really good dudes i mean i've talked to toby oh yeah josh yep. taff but he wasn't there yep. when you guys were there he was sick he was yeah he was there but he's so sick yeah. he was on his deathbed yeah. i saw him in a robe going to and from bathroom bedroom bathroom bedroom that was about it he's oh yeah we were worried about him we yeah. he's he toughed it out though and uh now since then we've been we've been chatting and um but glad he's all right after that round of whatever so yeah yeah no they're, they're cool guys a bunch of guys that are just really fun to talk to and cool yeah yep yeah aaron's down there Aaron's down there training dogs and then JD's yeah. down there um, just being JD and, and uh, <laughs> running duck hunts. And yeah. The, those, those three guys are, they're wild. They run a, a really real, just a really cool operation and oh, yeah. got to hang out. So, yeah. I mean, when I was talking to Josh, Josh about like the experience down there uh, and just like the lodge and everything they have sounds like pretty sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, kind of cool. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I, you know, I said it's, I said it's a fixer upper, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. They'll, they'll make something of it one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's awesome. Look up Falco. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, exactly. You got any other trips planned this year on going out during the fall? Uh, gosh, fall is a long ways away. I'm not sure what I'm going to do this afternoon. So this fall, yeah, I got, I have some things <laughs> planned, some archery stuff, some whitetail okay. stuff, um, bunch of honker stuff. And yeah. then I just kind of always stick up North. I love Canada, you know, obviously, 
everyone yeah. loves Canada oh, yeah. and seeing all my Canadian friends that I haven't been able to see for a while. So hopefully that border opens sooner rather than later. But yeah. apparently those Canadians are pretty freaked out about this. Yeah, that's stupid a fake virus that we have going on. So I yeah. don't know when that border is going to open. It might be a long time. Um, kind of bummed out for all my outfitter friends up yeah. there that are trying to run businesses and they won't open that border up. And I'm basically, you know, basically almost a hundred percent of their clients are American clients yeah. that can't get up there. So lodges are just sitting, sitting empty mouse mansions in the off season. It's about it. Just uh, oh, yeah. housing multiple families of mice. Yeah. So, um, no, other than that, probably stick around here, whack a bunch of honkers in Minnesota, yeah. Do a bunch of archery hunting early on, chasing whitetails around a little bit. Yeah, upgrading my archery arsenal this year, waiting for that bow to show up. And um, oh, we're gonna we got to do the our uh, backpack backpack swamp living duck hunt again. That's on the docket. So last year, and I can't say a whole lot about the trip, but. We boated all of our supplies in decoys, gear, some food, one yeah. Dutch oven. That's all we had. One those are that was our utensils. It was one Dutch oven. Didn't even have forks. I made a wooden spoon. I whittled one out. It's still in my kitchen to this day. I don't know what kind of wood it's made out of. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we boated all of our stuff in and set up camp and built a two-sided log we call the log cabin it was just two two walls with tarps over the top of it but it was pretty nice yeah. and uh we built that we stayed in our little log cabin that we built and we just duck hunted for three days four days straight i think we spent three nights out there first night we went in built this great big tall cabin thing and it was pretty mild temperature early yeah. october i believe so we built this great big tall thing and it was no big deal. Then the winds were forecasted to just howl and blow snot shit storm out of the Northwest the next night. So we had to take the whole cabin down. We cut a whole bunch more dead trees down and whittled those down, built this big two-sided log cabin deal, and then just doubled up the tarps. So then we shortened it way up. So it was, we couldn't walk into it anymore. So we had to crawl into it, but it was tight after that. Yeah. So like we survived the storm and the winds and blowing snot and didn't get wet, kept all our gear dry in there. Couldn't build a fire in it. So that was a bummer. Yeah. Um, not really a design flaw, just a inconvenience, but uh, neck. Yeah. They, we're going to go back. I know the cabin's still there because you're not going to move that son of a bitch. Yeah. And um, we went down and got a whole bunch of of grass next to the river and all this mucky clay river mud. And we mixed all that stuff up. And then we chinked the sides of the cabin 
with, uh, you know, the cracks in between all the logs, we yeah. chinked all that with that grass and mud. And I'm really curious to see what the cabin looks like today. Cause you know, obviously it's survived a winter yeah. and, uh, can't wait to get back up there, add on to that thing. I wouldn't mind doing maybe two, maybe three more trips this fall to that spot to just keep on adding to that thing. And hopefully, hopefully get it up, put all four walls on it, get it up. I don't know five, six feet tall, put a tarp yeah. over the top of it, something where we can light a fire inside and then we'd be living the high life. That'd so, be sweet. No that more crawling in and out of the cabin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do even like a, like a moss roof or something over the top of it. Oh. Just like build it all up. Chimney yeah, and everything. That's, <laughs> yep. That's what I'm looking for. Right. So that would be, that yeah. would be sweet photographed a bunch up there we filmed a whole bunch of it so yeah that's a big project that that you're coming out coming out sometime we'll see that's exciting then we'll see yeah Yeah. because i mean i remember you talking about it a lot when we were out in south dakota you mentioned it that Mm -hmm. a cool trip like yeah it was as fun as heck it was wild just off, <laughs> off-roading, off in the woods, just all by yourself, mm-hmm. doing your oh, thing, yeah. duck hunting. Yep. Like, yep. Boiling water, cooking cooking pasta with river water, boiling that up. It's yeah. Kinda, I don't know. Seen that river water up there. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm still alive to tell about, tell, tell the tale. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're, you're one with the land. So, I mean, if it, if it beats you up, that means right. it's pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you got, you got most of it dialed in. I reckon. But yeah, oh, no, yeah. I mean, I think we, uh, we covered a lot today. Um, and I kind of wanted to wrap it up. Didn't want to take too much more of your time, but is there anything else that yeah, you right want to go over before we kind of wrap it all on up? Uh, man, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Not really. We're just living up here. Just Always, living in the tundra. Uh, keep my, yeah, just living in the tundra, tundra life. we got to try to keep it exciting in the <laughs> middle of nowhere, but no, I always keep everyone fairly up to date on my social media platform, mostly Instagram, Instagram stories. Yeah. So just Corey Loeffler on Instagram, if you want to follow along on some of it there, but awesome. uh, we've got a little bit more turkey chasing to do and then more dog training and the interns yeah and big projects for the drc call company this summer um very exciting it should be good very exciting yeah man awesome i appreciate it brother thank you for hopping on once again and uh we'll talk soon yeah thank you very much take care all right see ya